Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Do something different today. I want to ask you to stand up. I want to sit down. Just kidding. Stand to your feet. Welcome all of you watching online. Let's hold our Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, just a a few things we want to uh, start with. Number one, this is a servant leader weekend. Um, We began last weekend. We'll do this weekend. And then next Sunday, we'll be having a lunch provided by the church just here in the lobby uh, to welcome all of our new servant leaders. Uh, Just to bring you up to speed, we had nearly 50 people sign up last week. Uh, to become servant leaders in this house. And uh, it's very, very important uh, to realize that God made us for more than just spectating or being spectators. We, we're not fulfilled when we're not serving. It's that simple or as fulfilled as we can be. So uh, on your seat today is a servant leader sign-up card. I want to ask you to uh, sit up and pull that out from under you. <laughs> And uh, if you would, take a look at it. If you say, well, you know, I'm interested but in serving, but I don't know what area that I would like to serve in, uh, just fill it out. Come to the lunch next week, and we will help kind of steer you, guide you through all the things that you could possibly do here uh, at Mosaic Church OKC to be involved. So I want to encourage you to do that. And also, we have a new... Uh, Part of our text uh, in church that we want to ask you right now to get out your cell phone, if you would please. And if you want to know more about Mosaic Church and uh, you would like to be informed on a regular basis, we now have a vehicle for that on social media or on our uh, tech uh, platform. And you can just simply text the word member to 405. 405- 500 uh, So if you do that right now, if you would like to, number one, if you would like to know more uh, about, you know, every week what's going on at Mosaic Church, or you want to get on my Mosaic Moment phone call every Wednesday night, just go ahead and, and do that right now. Text the word member to 405-500-1310. And the more we connect, the better we communicate Uh, the more we're going to be on the same page with one another. And uh, so we want to encourage you to do that. Um, Also, we uh, are starting small groups, as Pastor Mark said in the video announcement. And there is a card that you can pick up uh, in the lobby, I would suppose, at the Welcome Center. uh, And you can get signed up if you don't want to sign up uh, online or through uh, the text avenue or vehicle that we provided Please do that. Uh, As we look ahead 
at uh, this month and serving. Um, you know, there are a lot of different reasons that people don't serve, and I understand that. Number one, it's, you know, I'm not sure I can make a commitment uh, to be uh, at Mosaic every week. Well, we're not asking you to make that commitment. We're not saying, well, if you start serving, you're going to have to be here every Sunday. We're just simply saying if you could serve one Sunday a month even, that would be of great help to us. Twice a month, I think you probably might get a fast-track pass to heaven. <laughs> I can't promise that that's the case, but we could cross our fingers. But um, just serving even once a month would make a huge difference uh, to those around us, those seated next to you. Uh, and, and you're never too old, and you're never too young. I mean, literally, uh, you can serve if you can get up and you can be here. And just however you can get here, we want to encourage you uh, to get involved. There was a, a little girl that was sitting on her granddaddy's lap, and uh, he was reading her a story out of a book. And, and it was just a, one of those Norman Rockwell moments, you know, it's just looking at her and and uh, she's just a precious little girl, and, and her granddad's reading to her. And every now and then, she would, she would look up at, from the book as he was reading, and she would touch him on the cheek and rub his cheek, and then she'd rub her own cheek. And she did that several times until finally she, she just had to ask the question. She said, Granddad, did God make you? And he looked at her, and he said, yeah, he did. He made me a long, long time ago. And uh, so went back to reading, and she rubbed his cheek again, rubbed hers. So, well, Granddad, did, did God make me too? He said, yeah, sweetheart, he made you. He made you just recently. She looked back up at him and said, God's really getting better, isn't he? You just never know what kind of conversations you can have when you just sit down and get to know somebody. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about reflections of greatness. Um, I think sometimes we delay our involvement in society, in the church, in relationships uh, for fear that we, we might be criticized, we might be judged, we might do some things wrong, and uh, that the reality is not only are we never going to be great, we have these insecure feelings that we may never be good. And because of that, uh, we just take a step back and say, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to get through life. But God didn't send his son to die on the cross so we could just get through life, so that we could just live lives of mediocrity. Now, I know that all of us are doing things, and especially if you have kids, and children that you're, you're rearing, that you're doing a great task. You, you, you're bringing up a, a, a little precious gift from God. And, and so often uh, we get caught up in our own little worlds. And sometimes there are seasons where we just get really, really busy and, and we reach our capacity. And so I understand that. And don't want anyone to feel condemned into serving. Um, but capacity is the first thing we have to look at. Uh, and then the next question is, is can I increase my capacity? In other words, is there, do I have more uh, to give than what I'm giving? Uh, can God increase the space of my giftedness to where I can have a broader impact on my community, on, on society? And, uh, you know, I've done this 
ministry thing for a long time. And I've watched a couples get married. Matter of fact, many of them, I have done the ceremony and watched them get married. And they have one child. And then they have two children. Then they have three. And the dynamics of that relationship changes, not because of a lack of love for one another, but because we find ourselves maxing out our capacity. And so, but you have to wonder, when we just had one child, <clears throat> you know, here's how we lived. And then you had two. And you never thought that you could expand any more than one. You know, most time people have one. They think it's so great we'll have two. Oftentimes that's a mistake. You say, I had no idea that if one of them gets sick, then the other one's probably going to get sick. And then all of a sudden you got to increase your capacity again. And then you... Uh, you know, you have a third one, so on and so forth. And the reality is we're capable of a lot more than we think we're capable of. We have a greater capacity than we realize. And I want to challenge us today because I've heard every story imaginable, I think, when it comes to uh, what we think we can do and what we really can do. And... There are times when I believe we have to wait on the Lord and the Lord has to increase our soul before we can increase our involvement and expand our soul before we can expand our involvement. But I've heard people say, well, you know, I just don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And the reality is I'm still a very firm believer uh, that we always have the time or we always find the time to do the things we really want to do. People say, well, we're just so busy. Our kids are in soccer, they're in football, and we don't have time to go to church. Yeah, you do. You, you always have time to do the things you really want to do. Now, you may have to dismiss yourself from something else, but we can always tell uh, what we really want to do by what we're really doing. And so if, if somebody ever tells you, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to get together with you, but I don't have time, what they're really saying is, I don't have time for you. And, now, and that may be true because they may have other, th other people and other things. We have to realize that we must be honest with ourselves if we ever hope to uh, really do the greatest things that, that we can or to do the things we really want to do. So uh, if you turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13, and uh, Mother Teresa said, and I think I said this last week, we can't all be great, but we can all do great things. The goal here is not about becoming great. The goal is, as much as possible, to do great things. And that we are our brother's keeper. And so we're doing this series, Get in the Game. And the most important thing is to find out uh, your sweet spot in life. In other words, play to your strengths. Play to your strengths. That's what we have to do. And I want to encourage you, find out what your strengths are. Uh, you know, it's, I was reading an article recently uh, in, on football, and we're approaching football season, and, and uh, they were talking about quarterbacks. And some of the, you know, quarterbacks, one guy was a quarterback. He weighed like 300-some pounds. And I remember watching him play for the New York Giants, and I thought, it's just really peculiar to have a quarterback that weighs 300-some pounds at his height, mean, he was just a big guy, and I don't mean like big in the sense like 6'6 and 300 or 6'6 and 200. I'm talking he 
was metabolism challenged. I'm not supposed to say fat nowadays, but he was. All right, so the, the reason, a lot, another reason, not just capacity, a lot of reasons, one of the reasons that people quit is they're in the wrong place. They're in the wrong role. They're not fulfilling the right, the, the place they really want to be. And some months ago, I shared the story of a, a youth leader that I had that um, would drive a school bus for me. Uh, and I had a thousand kids in the youth ministry and, and the youth, we had to, we, we rented a facility. It was a big auditorium. Uh, the church was meeting at one place and we had to rent another place because we had all these kids. And we would bust them from where their parents went to church, and there, there would be eight to 10,000 adults, to we would bust them to the youth center. And we had, I don't know how many buses that just rotate, taking them five miles from one place to the other. And most of my bus drivers were really great. You know, they were fun, and they loved the kids, and they loved being around teenagers, and they were life-giving. But there was one bus driver that without fail, every Monday I would get a call. And he was just always complaining about how the kids treated him and how, how they acted like kids. They were kids. They're teenagers. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, that you get 45 of them on one bus, and it just makes it even more exciting. And so they would just get in his head. And, and, and you know, how many of you know if a teenager knows that he or she's getting to you, they're going to turn it up. They just gonna say, I got that old person, you know. And so he would come and every week he would call me, he would complain. Finally, I said, I know I want to meet with you. And I said, you know, you know, what is it? I mean, I got all these other bus drivers and I don't hear anything from them. What do you think the problem is? Well, they're they're just, they just need to behave. And I thought, well, okay, there's probably some truth to that. But they are teenagers. And they're just having fun. And uh, I said, so help me here because I can't get all those kids because it's a different group of kids every week on your bus. I said, let me talk about you for a minute. What is it you really want to do in the kingdom of God? What do you want to do in the church? And, and I just began to ask him questions. He said, you know, I've always wanted to be a missionary. And I said, let me help you. <laughs> and so I said... So you really want to do missionary type where I said, we've got a department in the church exclusively for missions. He lit up. He got excited. It wasn't that he was a bad guy. It wasn't that he didn't have something to offer the church. He was just in the wrong spot. And so I said, I know there's greatness in you and we're going to get greatness out of you. But we're not going to get greatness out of you if you're always frustrated and you're always angry and you're always mad you're never going to be great. So let me find the place that you love and let's get greatness. And so we made that shift. Every one of us in this place, even though we may not be great, we can do great things. There is greatness in you and we're trying to get greatness out of you because it's going to even excite you when you start doing something you didn't know you could do. When you see a life changed because you stepped into your role, into your place, that God has for you. And so we want to help get you to that place. In Numbers 13, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. 
Greatness begins with a we can certainly do it mentality. You're never going to see greatness in your life if you're always negative and you always doubt. Now, doubt always hovers around every one of us, but we have to believe we can before we can. So we ha Caleb has this we can certainly do it mentality. But there are over a million people in Israel that are trying to get into the promised land. And let me tell you, not all of them had the mentality that we can certainly do it. I want us to have a we can certainly do it mentality. I want us to look at whatever mountain we face and say that mountain was put in front of me to make me better and to make me stronger. And we can certainly scale that mountain. We can certainly take the land. We can certainly do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Nothing is impossible with God. But we oftentimes fall prey to past events. And how many of you know we typically remember the bad things or negative things that have been done to us, not the good things. By nature, we have a tendency to remember the pain instead of the promise. And God wants us to remember the promises. Yes, there will be obstacles. Yes, there will be difficulties. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He said, but the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Now, I have one question. How do you know someone stronger than you are if you have not fought them? And it's not always about strength. Sometimes it's about will. I will not give up. I will possess. I will certainly move forward. You may be stronger, but you've got to catch me first. And so we have to develop a new way of thinking if we're going to possess new things in our lives. We have to develop a positive, can-do, certainly-do-it mentality. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Let me help all of us with something. If there's somebody you don't like, take it to God. If there's something you don't feel is possible and you want everybody to think the way you do and make them think it's not possible, shut up. Because God cannot and will not honor fear, doubt, and unbelief. He honors faith. He honors trust. He honors love. We are called to be reflectors of that greatness that is in God. To reflect the we can certainly do it mentality that all things are possible. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. You weren't there long enough to know that. How many of you know that fear spreads like wildfire? And that in your mind you can tell yourself a story so quick that you can write the end before you've ever written the first chapter. You jump over from the first thing you see to the outcome or the resolve without ever processing the possibilities and the promises. And so we have to first look inside and say, God, increase my capacity. Lord, I want the ability to dream bigger, think bigger, and to be positive. Now, it doesn't mean you're denying reality. Even Jesus said in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but... Take courage, I've overcome the world. I'm not talking about living in denial. I'm talking about living in the promises of God that no matter what you're facing, 
God is there facing it with you. And it says, all the people we saw there were of great size. So they continue to look with the eyes of their body instead of the eyes in their soul and seeing with vision God's vision. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Now, if we were living today, I, I'm sure there would have been a bunch of negative reporters, CNN, Fox, CNBC, going to the Nephilim and Anak and saying, you know, tell us, uh, how do you see the little uh, grasshopper Israelites? Is that how you see them? I don't know if they interviewed these guys or this just in their mind. They say, we know they see us as insignificant and small. And if you think you're too small to make a difference, simply try sleeping with a mosquito for a night. Think about the impact of a mosquito. How in the world do they penetrate your skin? They're so little, they weigh nothing. And yet that little bitty mosquito can make a bump on you that you don't forget for a week. So if you can be nothing else, be a mosquito. Make a difference somehow in some way. Right motivation is what keeps greatness a reflection and not a reputation. We're not trying to create a reputation of greatness. We're trying to create greatness in others. It's not about our reputation. It's about our presence to make a difference. And Caleb comes back and is the only voice. And the Bible says he had a different spirit. And you can see his different spirit because he opened his mouth and silenced the crowd. You know, really, servant leaders in any local church are there to represent the heart and mission of that local church. So it's important that you know the heart, and the heart of that church is represented by the mission statement. And the mission statement of this house is creating a culture of love. Okay, so if I could say as a greeter, all I need you to do is smile and smile. If you don't like to talk, say, well, I'm, you know, I'm real quiet. Smile. It's not a real tough job unless you're just a mean person. Every one of us can offer up a smile. Now, some of you need to practice and put on some lotion because your face is going to crack. Because you haven't smiled in so long. But think about it just a minute. You can look at somebody with a smile, and they'll get so caught up in your smile, you could call them an idiot, and they won't even hear you. Don't recommend it. But I'm telling you, smiling captures people's attention, and it causes them to forget what's even being said. Smiling is such a beautiful thing. It really is. And so please don't minimize your significance in the body of Christ, in your community, in your family. Reflectors of greatness have a different spirit. Albert Einstein said, Great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. Great minds have purposes. Others have wishes. Little minds are tamed and subdued by misfortune.
but great minds rise above it. Some of you may have misfortunes in your life. You're going through difficult times. Don't reduce the way you think to the misfortune or the problem. Rise above those things. It is up to us, each of us, to determine the outcome of our lives. What we focus on is what we will follow. As servant leaders, every one of you will have to rise above misfortune in your own personal life, in your family, in your home, in your business. But let me tell you something. When you start serving others, the size of your problem reduces. When you start giving outside yourself, you will no longer be self-centered. And you will soon realize that your problems are not as great as you thought they were. Because you're listening to problems of other people. And all of a sudden you run into people and you go, man, if I thought I had problems. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Caleb's different spirit caused him to follow the promise of God. Not the negativity of the other ten. There will always be negative people. If we were to go by percentages, and I'm going to give Joshua a pass. Joshua wasn't negative, but he wasn't outspoken, but he did end up following Caleb. But 10 out of the 12 spies were negative. 10 out of 12. Now that's a high percentage of people that went into the land, and they all saw the same thing. Caleb saw the giants. Caleb saw the obstacles. But Caleb also saw the possibilities. He saw the grapes that they had to carry on poles. They were so big. He saw the lushness of the land. He saw the beauty of the promise. And he said, there may be giants in the land, but greater is God in us than the giants that are in that land. Thank all five of you. It's what we see in our spirit that gives power to what we do with our bodies. There will always be obstacles. There will always be naysayers. There will always be giants. There will always be those that look greater than us. There will always be those who talk smarter than us. This is not about your IQ. Some of you have dismissed yourself because you didn't score well in high school. The, the last academic environment you were in, you didn't do well. This is about your AQ, your adversity quotient, not your intelligence quotient. Are you able to face adversity with enough positivity to get on the other side of it? You will have to have a different spirit because you will have a different outlook. I would rather die in the will of God than live outside the will of God. 
I would rather die on the battlefield of obedience than live in a household of disobedience. You're going to fall down, but you can get up. You'll be criticized for your mistakes. You may never be applauded for your obedience, but you will one day hear these words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful in the midst of that difficulty and negativity. Now enter in. Every decision that we make can be overcome if it's a bad one by making another decision that addresses the bad decision. Many people stop and worship a wrong done. They stop and worship at the place of a decision, a wrong decision that was made. Or you can get up and say, yeah, I did, but I'm not living there. I'm not staying in the midst of that. I'm not living in negativity. It all begins with you at the end of your life, at the end of my life. It won't be others. You can never blame other people for where you are, where you're going, or the outcome of your life. Caleb didn't look back. Caleb looked ahead and he said, you know, we were beaten uh, wrongfully. We were mistreated in, in Egypt. And, and it's taken all these years, 40 years, when it should have taken two weeks. And I can't believe we're just now getting here. And, and I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And God, why didn't you just wipe out the Anak and the Nephilim? And why didn't you just take away the giants? Let me tell you, God is moved by faith. God left the giants there not to intimidate them, but to encourage them and say, I am up to the challenge. Will you step up to the challenge with me? Hear stories all the time of why people didn't do something or why they're not doing something or I'm tired or I'm fatigued or I don't have any money or I, I, people don't like me and, and I got too much to do and my plate's running over and everything's full. I hear all these stories instead of saying, I know I've got to find my place and play to that strength. Maybe you have to give up fishing to come to church on a Sunday. Maybe you have to give up golf every now and then. Maybe you have to give something up. You say, well, that's important to me. Well, you know, why don't you have a conversation at the gate? I'm not real sure it's going to fly. I said, well, you know, God, I like to fish. God said, I like to be worshipped. Guess who wins that argument? I'm not trying to get religious here or trying to get performance oriented. I'm simply saying this. I get exhausted hearing people give me all the reasons they can't do something instead of the one reason they can. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing is impossible. We can certainly do it. It's amazing when you ask someone, and I, I'm not trying to be mean or rude or insensitive. But as a leader, if I don't challenge you, you're never going to get better. And if you're telling me you can't give a church one Sunday a month, I've got a real problem believing that. You can argue with me all you want, but I'm asking for one day out of 30 to 31. Come on, somebody. Well, you know, I don't really have time. No, what you're really saying is I don't want to serve other people. Get mad. Go ahead, get mad. And the reason people usually get angry is they know I'm right. just don't want to. I can live with that answer. I can. I can live with the answer. I just, I just don't like to serve. I don't like you. I don't like everybody else. I just come here to raise hell and be annoying. Keep on keeping on, baby. 
Caleb had a different spirit. He saw the same thing everybody else saw, but he saw it through a different lens. You can complain about somebody else getting ahead. You never get ahead. Somebody else doing better than you. You know, and, and, and you give 15 reasons that, you know, they're getting better than you in order to excuse the choices that you've made to not press, not go the extra mile. Listen, man. It's not easy to get ahead. It's not easy. It requires some sacrifices. It requires some time. It requires some things that others are not willing to do. So rather than looking at somebody getting ahead and complaining about it, say, what did you do to get ahead? These guys should have become friends with Caleb. If Caleb says we can certainly do it, we can certainly do it. And if not, we're going to die trying. The challenge in our society is when you challenge somebody, it's now politically incorrect. Well, don't push so hard. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't talk so straight to them. You, you shouldn't be mean. I'm not being mean. I just don't want to get to heaven uh, and, and go, God go, well, you know, you just were mediocre. You didn't really, you know, you didn't really press. You didn't really try. And, and you remember the Apostle Paul said that I pressed toward the mark. Everything's a press in life. It's easy to do easy. Everybody does easy. Anybody can do easy. The minute you start challenging someone today, you're considered insensitive and politically incorrect. And as a result of that, we've got a bunch of people living lives of mediocrity because nobody challenged them and made them angry enough to say, I'm going to increase my capacity. The Bible says we're going from glory to glory. That means that our capacity is ever increasing to do more for His glory. God is able to shape us. God is able to work His agenda. A different spirit will always produce different results. George Mueller said, I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to a given matter. 90% of the trouble with people is just here. 90% of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When's the last time you got up and you said, God, not my will, but your will be done. If there's one prayer that we all need to pray every day, is God, not my will, but your will be done. In everything that we do, God, not my will, but your will be done. We can all find reasons, we can all find excuses to not do the will of God. And actually, they are humanly good excuses. But they don't reap the results or the rewards that we desire in our hearts. Caleb's different spirit caused him to follow God without disputing. Secondly, reflectors of greatness see things differently, which I've already talked a little bit about. Reflectors of greatness have a different spirit and they see things differently. One person sees an obstacle and lays down. Another person sees an obstacle and turns it into something fun. 
turns it into faith, turns it into possibility. Every one of those 12 spies saw the same thing. But by the time it got to their heart, unlike Caleb, they didn't say, your will be done, not mine. They cared more about their life than the lives of generations to come, which I'll get to in just a moment. Every decision we make today will have an impact on future generations. I talk to more moms and dads that talk about all the mistakes they've made. And, you know, I've had those same issues in my life where I've made so many mistakes as a parent. And I can give you all the mistakes. And then I, I've started stopping saying, hold it. You know what? I was a pretty good dad. I was a pretty good guy. Did I make mistakes? I made a lot of mistakes. But that's not who I was. Your mistakes are not who you are. Those are what you do. You are a good person. You're good people. You're created in the image and likeness of God. When you make a bad decision, make a good decision. Maybe make two or three good decisions. Get up and make the decision. Some of you have served in churches. I've had, I've had m- numerous volunteers. I, I, I mean, I tell this story. I've told it throughout, throughout the years because it was a test for me. We had a young man driving golf carts, and not only did he hit one car, and we, we were, he hit two. I mean, so if you're going to do it, do it right. And he did. And I think he probably thought he was going to get his clock clean, but he was just doing the best he could, and he was serving. And you're going to make mistakes when you serve. We end up paying for the two cars, getting them fixed. I'm not sure he drove again. I think we probably put him in a, a spot more compatible with his gifting. Finding that spot is very, very, very important. Giants are only giants if we see ourselves as grasshoppers. Your perception of self causes you to see yourself as big enough or God big enough to handle the opposition or what's before you or not. You get to make that decision. Caleb had determined already that God was bigger than the opposition. Then lastly, reflectors of greatness have a different confession. Do you realize the whole world was created by the spoken word? You want to talk about the power of words. God spoke the world into existence. Now, granted, we're not speaking the natural world or the physical world into existence, but we are speaking and creating a world in our soul that we, we will live out. We will live it out. So we need to be careful what we say and how we say it. We need to make sure that before we open our mouths that we're giving shape to something that we can live with and desire to live with. When I read scripture, when I quote scripture, it's not to impress anyone. People say, well, they know the Bible front and back. That's not what it's about. I want to know that the Bible's working in me. I don't want to just know it. I want to know it's at work. And when I say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's not an arrogant statement. As a matter of fact, Caleb got this revelation 40 years before it ever happened. And he said, you know, I'm as strong now As I was then when he was 45 years old. And now he's in his 80s. And they're just now getting to the land. And he could have said I'm just an old guy. Why God why are you sending me? I'm just an old guy. 
Caleb said, not till I get the land will I ever give up. You told me when I was 45 years old that we were going to get this land of promise. And now here I am, 85. He said, bring it on. I'm as strong now as I was then. And let me tell you, he was holding on for the next generation. You're serving right now. Those of you serving children or youth and, and those of you loving kids when they come through the door as you greet them or out in the parking lot helping a single mom get her children out of the car and get through the rain to get to the building. As you walk her up here, let me tell you something. You may not say one thing to that 10-year-old son who's watching his mother take him to church, but that 10-year-old will remember you not by name but by your action to be there on a rainy day as his mother's taking him into church. He will remember that you gave up something to get him to know Jesus Christ. You say, well, you know, I'm just insignificant. What, what kind of role do I play? I'm out here in an orange vest and in the rain. You're making a difference in somebody else's life. The thing that kept me on track four years ago was five kids that I call mine. I said, if I don't make a right decision out of a wrong decision, they're watching. Thinking about the next generation, and I want them to see that God is able to help us overcome any flaw, failure, anything in our lives to get us back to the place he wants us to get to. God never holds anything against us. He's always for us. hear people say it all the time. I've done too much. Invite him to church. If I come, lightning will strike. You really think God's that focused on you? Oh, there's Bob. I'm going to strike the whole church. Every human being on earth is sinful and flawed. So if God is going to hit a church with lightning, he's hitting us all today. You can put anybody on a pedestal you want to put on a pedestal, and I promise you, they're all sinners. You just haven't seen it yet. And hope you don't. But let me just say this to you. Nobody on earth is qualified to do what we're doing. <laughs> I call us modified, not qualified. God modified us and said, I'm going to pour my purity into their impurity. I'm going to pour my strength into their weakness. I'm going to pour my giftedness into their lack of talent. And I'm going to do something great through them. Caleb believed that. At the close of his life, the end of his life, he gave to his daughter land that he had possessed because she asked. And he handed it over to her. One day, those of us sitting in here will hand everything over to those in those little classrooms. Your role and responsibility today and mine is to get people to that place. We're called to serve. And I pray today that you fill out this card and you drop in the offering bucket in a moment as it goes by. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to pray. Father, thank you so much for your patience with us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for using us.
Thank you for gifting us. Thank you, God, for putting in us the things we don't have in us to do what you've called us to do. Beginning with your salvation, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to pray a prayer right now. And I want those watching online, all of us in here, to pray this prayer. Because there are those that are going to pray this prayer that today will be your introduction to eternity and salvation. And it's all about calling on his name. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, today I call on the name of Jesus, your only begotten son, who died for my sin. Today I repent of my sin and I declare I am forgiven. I am a follower of yours. Amen.